Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Looking for something to do after Halloween is over? Are you into the strange, bizarre, and unusual? On November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the Strange Realities Conference is coming back to Nashville, Tennessee, and streaming online. Come join us for three days exploring mysteries, supernatural, the occult, weird history, and more. Featuring lectures, presentations, and workshops by Tim Banal, Zach Hunt, Melvin Vance, Bryn Collier, Tobias Whalen, Brent Raines, Joshua Cutchin, Kiki Dombrowski, Recluse, Nathan Isaac, Christopher Ernst, Aaron Gullius, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Mallory Samwitzki, Soraya Azkap, and special guest Steve Berg as your Master of Ceremonies. Make sure to join us for the fun and informative weekend online and at SIR Nashville November 3rd and 4th and online only November 5th. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Okay, guys, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, and we are just rolling right along, getting back into like semi-weekly shows. Tonight, we've got a new guest, which is another great thing that we've been doing, Sophia, where we've had new guests, and actually someone that is going to be joining us at the Strange Realities Conference coming up in November Yeah, on site in Nashville, which we're very happy to have her. Uh, Mallory Sawinski. She has a new book out called Making Friends with Ghosts that uh, I just finished reading today and is a great book that you guys should check out. And we're going to talk to her about it. But Mallory, welcome to Conspiracy Normal. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. I heard about you through Becky Ann Galantine. Oh, I saw that she had, she, she had linked up and found your stuff interesting. So, you know, here we are, get you on the show and having you come to the conference. But, uh, like we said, you have written a book and you are a paranormal investigator. You've been doing it for a few years now. Yeah. Do you mostly, I guess you mostly investigate like in your local area? I do. So um, I am lucky enough to live about 10 minutes away from Pennhurst State School. So I have a behemoth in my backyard and I've been there several times. You know, I live by Fort Mifflin. I'm right outside Philadelphia. So I am a mother and my kids are very young, so my time is limited. And so I do like to keep my spooky weekends as they were, you know, fairly close just so I can be there more often instead of spending my time away from home traveling somewhere. That being said, if anyone wants to take me to Alcatraz (laughs) or 
Rushy Mountain, that's fine. I'll go there too. Yeah. And sometimes you venture into like upstate New York, which I guess isn't too far from where you are. No, it's too far. Uh, it's not too far. Um, you know, I've been like to the Shanley Hotel in Napanoke, New York. I've been, uh, you know, Western Pennsylvania, uh, you know, upstate New York and like um, more of like the Buffalo type area. You know, but I, I always laugh because I'll I'll bring my a little equipment anywhere I go. I went on like a romantic trip with my husband in September to Chicago, and there was definitely some equipment in my suitcase. <laughs> um, I can't not bring it. It's just like now it's just a part of me, and anywhere I go, I'm like, okay, I'll yeah, find right. something spooky. So we know how it uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> do you? Is there a distinctiveness that you find in kind of like that area? Because I mean, Philadelphia, that that area is such, I mean, it's very rich with history. Cause I mean, you describe a lot about these old, old like houses and some of these like older towns and then places like Valley Forge, which is an amazing place that I've been to. And then also you got Gettysburg not too far from there. Do you find that there's kind of a distinctiveness that, that you like about that area? Yeah. Spooky or otherwise. Absolutely. I mean, the area, I don't love Philadelphia too much. Don't tell you. But I've been through there. I understand. I know, but I'm not from here. I just want to say that I only live here. But um, in terms of, you know, paranormal opportunity here, it's just, it is pretty incredible. Um, Valley Forge in particular, that's my favorite chapter in making friends with ghosts, just because it me it has meant so much to me and my kids. Um, and they're accepting like I'm doing this crazy stuff and I'm looking for ghosts. Like my son ran an Estes session in a little hut in Valley Forge. Um, I mean, Gettysburg. I, my partner at the time had her, she had a crazy visual. It's not my story to tell, but like that trip, I was there for one day and I can't believe how much activity I had in a single day. It's like a single afternoon. Um, you know, pretty much every old tavern, old restaurant, anything made a brick around here. It's like, oh yeah, George Washington was through here or, you know, so-and-so the founding fathers stayed here. There's so much that happened here. I just can't help but think that that left an imprint everywhere you look. Yeah. yeah and the Revolutionary War battles that were around that area, there's a, there were a ton of them. And then just like, I mean, yeah, I mean, Philadelphia, I, I totally understand what you're saying. But once you get into that, like, historical section. Yeah. Like, Sergio, you were there not that long ago, right? In Philly? Yeah. But once you, yeah, once you get in that like historical section, like Independence Hall and like the Benjamin Franklin Museum, like you, you, you can feel it. Like you can feel that, like that, that history and the power of like the events that happened there. It's a pretty amazing place. Yeah. As long as you survive. <laughs> <laughs> I have an uncle that lives in Norristown. So I've gone up there a couple of times. Oh, that's right by my house. That's where uh, Salma Mansion is. Where yeah, yeah. Yeah. So can we talk about how you, became involved with paranormal investigation, how that kind of became a thing for you? Yeah. So um, it's always, you know, I say this kind of ad nauseum, but everyone's always like, oh, how'd you get into ghosts? And I'm like, I've just always liked them. And I was a weird kid. I think most most of my paranormal friends just liked them as kids or something happened. I had a few weird things growing up. Um, you know, those stories are in the book, not to be that person, but, you know, some creepy doll experiences, this and that. But 
um, when I really started focusing on it is when my um, children were very young, I suffered really bad postpartum depression, really, really bad, like as bad as you can get. Um, and my, my thoughts were so dark and I just, I felt so, I was just, wasn't me anymore. And I was just kind of like, what am I doing? My entire existence was my children. Like it has to be as a young mom, like they need you, but I had let everything else go to the point where I felt empty and hopeless. It's a terrible feeling, but I wouldn't wish on anyone. So long story short, my path to recovery involved really throwing myself into my interests. And it really just, it lit a fire in my belly again. And I had some kind of like meaning, something to look forward to. And it helped me enjoy my children more. I felt less resentful, less hopeless. Um, you know, and right as I was like, I went to my first uh, Paracon at Penhurst, which I said is super close to my house. Right as I was realizing, oh my gosh, I can go on a ghost hunt. You know, <laughs> people who aren't on TV can do this too. Right as I was having that epiphany, COVID hit. Um, so, you know, blah, we don't need to talk about all of that. But as quarantines were lifting, um, one of the first events that was available in person and like, get me the heck out of my house <laughs> was an investigation night at Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia. And that night was, even now, years later, that was one of the most activity packed nights I've ever experienced. And so it's no wonder I got hooked. Yeah. And you had like, um, did you say that you had like a really interesting experience there in the book? Can you talk about that? Oh my gosh. Like I still, I still will get goosebumps when I talk about it. Like, so yeah. I went on an open investigation night <clears throat> and it was led by my now friend, Greg O'Brien, who's the paranormal guy at Fort Mifflin. I made him be my friend. <laughs> and, um, you know, they broke us up into groups and there's um, a casemate section. It's you know it's an underground cell where they would hold prisoners. It's got the domed, the domed ceilings down like kind of a long hallway. And you know the night went on kind of normally. And I had dragged my other mom friend who was also going crazy and also liked weird stuff. And we got broken up into groups and we did you know a session here, a session there. Not much happened. You know it was kind of it was just kind of cool anyway. I was like I'm doing this forever anyway because it's so cool. Then at the end of the night, <clears throat> the person who was running it. Um, from Plumeri Productions, he was like, you know what? We have some time. Go wherever you haven't gone yet that you want to go. And I was like, yes, because I really wanted to go to the casemates. I kept hearing how haunted they are. So we went down in there, and my friend kind of like walks up, knocks on a one of the wooden benches, you know, because we have never done this before. And they're like, if you're here, knock back. You know, and we're kind of like feeling a little stupid. We have no equipment, just like two women, just like in the dark kind of freaking ourselves out. And then she walks about six feet in front of me and not facing me. She goes, do you want us to leave? And to my right, about five feet, a male voice clear as day went, no. And she turned around and I looked at her and she looked at me and she's like, that happened. And I spun on my heel and ran out of the room like a chicken which everyone still makes fun of me about. Um, but then like I went back in uh, and I, and 
I mean, we grabbed some other people with equipment who knew what they were doing. And like, you know, if you've been on an investigation and you bring this equipment, you're like a great pull for maybe a REM pod hit, maybe, you know, your K2 light strand, you know, lights up, gets an EMF hits. I am not lying when I say on six different benches, there were six different pieces of equipment and they were all going crazy. And like, this is my first investigation. Mm -hmm. It's like white, shiny ceilings. And these lights are like, it's beeping. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I was so scared and thrilled. I'll like, I will never forget that night for the rest of my life. It was terrifying. But I don't know, on the way home, I were driving through Philadelphia. And my friend's like, well, what do we do with this information? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we're doing this forever now. Because what was that? How old is that place? I guess it's pretty like uh, 18th century something like that and you know they constructed it to you know try and keep the british from taking philadelphia but it was overtaken eventually okay yeah so it's probably from revolutionary war times <laughs> okay yeah that is pretty crazy to hear something like that i've seen apparition i have but i've never like heard the audible part of it which is scary what? seeing something or hearing something yeah i know i don't know <laughs> i've done both Wait. What was the place that you did? You saw something at the corner of your eye, like that was a little more solid. Was that at Pinhurst? So that was not out of the corner of my eye, and it was okay. totally solid. So at the Shanley Hotel, I was there with a, like a murderer's row of like Instagram spooky people. <laughs> it was great, and you know we were invested. This the Shanley Hotel, not to be complete, confused with the Stanley Hotel. The Shanley Hotel. Right. Was, Small hotel in upstate New York, <clears throat> and it used to be a brothel. It used to be a, a private home. It was a restaurant. Now it operates. It's it's a hotel, but it's incredibly haunted. <laughs> Can confirm that night at the and, and telling these two stories back to back makes it sound like this happens to me all the time. Fort Mifflin and the Shanley Hotel were the two most amazing investigations I've ever been on. Um. The Shanley Hotel, we had done some sessions, you know, EVP session in the basement, and we've gone upstairs, we went to the brothel, and we did some Estes. We were on a break in the safe room, quote unquote. And I'm talking to my friend, and I'm, you know, it's there's one big room, and there's like some tables, everyone's kind of grabbing a snack, you know, because it's the safe room. Nothing ever happens in the safe room. Right? And I'm staring kind of like just, zoning out staring down the hallway and at the end of the hallway there is there's like a mini little vestibule and on the left side there's the mirror scrying room it's literally a small room with just a mirror and you can do mirror scrying there and across from that is an open doorway to the it's like a dorm style room it used to be the gentleman's club and i'm talking to my friend drinking a you know crappy cup of coffee and i'm staring and i watch a person in white or gray walk across that hallway mm. and it wasn't, it wasn't see-through it was incredibly tall it did not have a head it had like a some kind of it was like a billowy shirt um here seen like those old again like an old uh western and the women with the big bosoms and they have like the big shirt and it's tucked into like a big flowing skirt so it was kind of Kind of like that, but I could see the legs moving underneath the fabric. But I, I was like, 
what is that? What is that? I knew everyone was either behind me or there were two people in front of me, but they were facing, they were sitting at the table and they were facing me and there's no one else in the hotel. And I like took off like before toward it this time. I might add, I went toward the version. I did not run and, and I chased it down and there was nothing. It just went right across the hallway. And there's no, there's nowhere for it to go. It didn't go up the Bordellus. I went into the gentleman's club and there, the only exit was at the end of the room, and I would have got, I got there in time. And I'm checking, I'm checking. I have video of me because I was running a camera in that room. There's nothing on the camera, but you see me, you hear me freak out, and then you see me run in and like check all, under all the beds and like I like I know what I saw that night. And between the voice I heard at Fort Mifflin and the apparition I saw at the Shanley Hotel, <laughs> like changed my brain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, something like that would make you a believer. I mean, that's for sure. So it felt like it was kind of like a feminine kind of figure. You know, it's like I, th- I think so, but I'm. I just I only think it was feminine because there was a billowy quality to the yeah. area under the neck, and it wasn't mm. like gory or anything. It wasn't like a slasher. But it was just, there was just no head. Right, it just wasn't there. Just wasn't absence there. of head. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the weird conversations I've had with people, Becky Ann Galantine and Lorian Jones, about why it didn't have a head. <laughs> you can take yourself down some rabbit holes about why an apparition might not have a head. But um, I don't know. I just, I saw it. I, it just went, and it didn't, it did not give me any sense that it cared or knew that we were there. I didn't mm-hmm. have the sense that it was hiding from us, looked at us, any of that, you know? I mean, like I had two more crazy experiences that night and it was just, oh my gosh, that place is something else. Seriously. Had anybody else seen anything similar before? Yes. And I didn't, and I'm so happy that I didn't know that. I turned to um, my friend Flip and he was like, he's like, did you say it didn't have a head? I'm like, yes. And he's like, someone else saw a headless apparition over there. And I, I do not like, I try to be very level-headed. I don't want to apply a narrative that's, oh, someone was beheaded. Like, right. I, I don't know that. You know, there was a tragedy with a little girl in a well. It was not a little girl that I saw. But that is interesting that there would be, you know, a potential headless ghost. But... I mean, I think when you see something like, and I've had this conversation before where like that night, I I was really the only one in the group to experience very much. And what I experienced was very impactful to me. Um, But I've been on investigations where like nothing has happened and someone else Mm -hmm. will say like that place was crazy. And I'm like, it wasn't though. So it makes you yeah, wonder, it, yeah, like it just makes you wonder, like, are you supposed, is something about that location connecting with you? And like, are you supposed to be the one that sees that in that moment? You're ready for it or that this is going to, this is like a memory that you are supposed to have. I don't know. I wonder about that too. Uh, even in really haunted or supposedly haunted locations and people say, oh, there's so much activity, but then sometimes you just won't get anything and what the factors of that could be and i wonder if it really is something to do with just the individual and their experience um which it kind of sounds like in your case that that's 
that that's probably what it was. Like it, maybe that was something that was to be shown to you specifically. And I wonder too, <clears throat> this is something I've thought a lot about is I think it's so much about your openness on a particular night. Like I said, I was there with some of my closest friends. So I felt very comfortable. I felt like mm-hmm. I trusted everyone who was there. And I think that <clears throat> impacts your experience a lot, not only like what you believe and what you're seeing, but like maybe it affects how the spirits can get through to you or who would they want to, you know, if you're being a grouch or you had a bad day, maybe it's just not the right, something changes your frequency where you just can't connect that way. Do you think yeah. anticipating or wanting to see something too much can have an, a negative effect? Yeah, I, you know, I do. And I think if you go into things like that, and we all do, I mean, especially if like to be, I mean, straight up, if you've paid hundreds of dollars and you changed your schedule and you've worked out all these logistics with all your, but your friends and things, or you have a YouTube show you're hoping to get something for. I think if you go in wanting it so bad, you are setting yourself up to either see things that aren't there or skew yourself a certain way. But I mean, in terms of connecting with spirit, I think that adds some interference. Um, I think your motivations really affect how these nights go. Um, Because I think that's how humans are too. (laughs) And I'm I'm the kind of person where I think most spirits were human. But I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole other rabbit. (laughs) But as like a researcher, like you know that like that's not always going to like perform on demand no that's just how it's going to go yeah that's what i always say i was saying earlier about gettysburg you know i was so because i was only there for literally like an afternoon and knowing that because i i'd been doing it a little bit by then and i was like i only have an afternoon like i know everyone says this place is so haunted. i couldn't believe that i actually got stuff there that I had things happen because I was there so briefly <clears throat> but it, it, like like you were saying so it's like at Penhurst I've been there many times and I know I know the tragic history you can you can feel it on the grounds of the campus but that doesn't mean that you're gonna have you know a crazy night paranormally speaking it seems that like most things happen in kind of uh I don't want to say absent-minded state. The state most people describe when things happen is not full of expectation, not even looking for anything, and they may not even really be as impacted in the moment. Like it might seem kind of like there's weird dream logic to it, you know. And then later on, they're like, "Holy shit, what the hell just happened?" For sure, we um I caught a an EVP. I don't get a lot of EVPs. I don't think not ones that really you know knock my socks off. But at Selma Mansion in Norristown, PA, <clears throat> we were in the kitchen and we were recording and I was on, it's it's on my Instagram um, profile somewhere, but we were just talking, we were just talking about the family structure of, you know, life back then. And I think my friend said something along the lines of like, who took care of the elderly? And my other friend was responding and you hear, you hear this voice go, what are you? And I like, you know, you're reviewing evidence later and you're kind of like, oh, you're getting it. And you kind of like, wait a minute, who, who was that? Like, what? And it was right in my, right in my recorder. And that was when we weren't, you know, we were hoping for something, but we, it wasn't like an answer to an exact question. 
crazy. <laughs> it really is interesting how I think there is like a meaningfulness to it, like I said before, to like the individual. Um, but I want to ask you too some of your ideas and techniques for ghost hunting when you do a, an investigation. What do you do? How do you go into a location <laughs> and investigate? You know, I have I have a bunch of equipment, <laughs> but it's kind of like it was like a bell curve for me. You know, when I got into it, and again, I haven't been doing this very long. Um, there's people who've been doing this for years and years and years, and they kind of got this thing down pat. I go in and I used to, like when I first started, I obviously didn't have any equipment and I was just going on my gut. And then as soon as I heard the voice at Fort Mifflin and started going smaller places, I wanted that evidence, you know, because I, I wanted something to post on social media and I wanted to join this community so bad. And I don't regret that because I have made some amazing friends that have changed my life. So, but then it was like too much equipment and I wasn't getting as much and I was just wasn't, you know, I kind of like something got muddied. So I backed off a lot. I have a few pieces, you know, that I'll bring. I have like an EMF tripwire because I've got, I've gotten some amazing responses with that. That meant something to me personally. Um, you know, I think a digital recorder is smart because you just, like we said, like you never know what's going on when you're not paying attention. It's almost like a, it's almost like an extension of yourself while you can be focusing elsewhere. But to be honest, nowadays, I really feel like, and this is going to sound arrogant, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I'm almost 40. So whatever. <laughs> I can, I feel like I can feel in my gut when there's something afoot. Um, not always. And I'm not always in that mindset. And I'm not claiming any kind of ability. I just feel like a place will speak to you if you are listening to it and you're there for the right reasons. Um and I, I just, I, I am, I kind of pulled back a little bit and I'm, I go on investigations for the experience and not for what I can get from it, you know, what I can right. share afterward. And that has made a big difference. And that kind of brought me back to like, oh yeah, this is why I started. And this is why I connected with this so much at the beginning. Um, and that's made a big difference to me. Um, but I'm, I'm like, I'm grateful for the whole journey that I've had. I don't really have any regrets in my paranormal like career, quote unquote, so far, because doing different things and trying different things has made me different friends and given me different perspectives along the way. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way to look at it. That's really about the experience and not necessarily about like, oh, I need to have all this evidence and all yeah. this kind of thing. I think that's that's really what it is. Um, it's got a ritual quality to it. Um, sure. you know, we've talked about this with like the Bigfoot hunting community and how they are and the, there's certain aspects of it that like, you know, that it's kind of like a ritual in a way. And I feel like, you know, that reflects back on ghost hunting and paranormal investigations. And there's also too, I think the older idea of like the respect for the dead. And I also with, uh, ghost hunters, and one thing I really respect about them is having that respect for history um because that's very important to me and understand like i think you've learned a lot probably a lot about history from doing this uh -huh. you know uh, and about your local area from just doing paranormal investigations yeah well and i think branching off of that it's important to not like i said like to not force a narrative on something because i mean really if you 
that's be cool. It's like, yes, George Washington might have been through here, but how many other thousands of humans with lives that matter who had loved right. ones? You know, you can't just be like, oh, it's Martha Washington, because that is that is a name you know. You know, and I really like I I really respect and appreciate like those content creators or those friends that I have who are respectful of just any people who have come before. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just think it's so much more valuable that way. If you get, take a little humble pie yeah. <laughs> with your investigating. <laughs> Back in Tennessee, so many people have seen Andrew Jackson. It's yeah. It's like, <laughs> there are other people. <laughs> it was old Hickory himself. Uh, how, how do you feel about the um, confrontational style of like, ghost hunting this isn't a video so i can't just make a gross face huh i don't know you know so i will say that i have had a ghost get a little frisky with me so i don't mind it then if i feel like i'm i am being disrespected i don't mind setting a boundary but i do not care for the ghost bro you know style of things um i think that come at me bro oh my gosh it is like this disease in the paranormal community and it it's just it makes me cringe um so is it really widespread i'm not not, i don't really know it really is i do i feel like it's getting better um and i you know what i also i want to know like my friend amy is so like cool and level-headed about this stuff and she's just like she's like you know we don't have to go in and be super polite but like she's like sometimes you can show a little anger and like frustration and that has like riled things up a little bit, but she doesn't like storm in and challenge spirits. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I've, I've had some bad experiences with, I've had some good experiences with male investigators, but I've had some bad ones that are just, they're so keen to tell you, like, before you even say your name to them, they're like, this is how many years I've been doing this. You know, this is what I experienced here. This is how many followers I have and whatever I was on TV with blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's just this, like, I don't know if it's, yeah. it's in other, you know, kind of weirdo communities. Um, I think yeah, it's I, an absolutely I'm a weirdo. <laughs> is it? I mean, it's just pervasive and uh, it's just, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> Yeah, that that is a part of I think paranormal research, and as Sirfiel said, that you know, really everywhere. But because the TV thing was like really big, you know, like once Ghost Hunters came out, that like kind of blew everybody wanted to be a ghost investigator. I love you know? <laughs> I loved Ghost Hunters too. Don't get me wrong, but everybody wanted to do that, and then there was like this big scramble for like um, to be on TV, which was yeah. part of being that. And I I can remember uh, being around you know, that time going to these conventions, a lot of it was like, okay, you guys, we're going to show you our TV pilot and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And there was a lot of that. And yeah, so you, yeah, that that is definitely something that you run into. Well, and I think too, this it's, it's weird. And I explain this to my normie friends, quote unquote, who like, don't, who don't go on ghost hunts or don't, you know, and there are kind of a lot of ways to be, like on a guest spot on TV in this community. There are a lot of shows where you can like 
you know, be a, be an investigator with someone or like at the conventions, you you meet them and sometimes you become friends with them. And then they kind of like, oh, I have this going on. Do you want this? It's not like that in a lot of other hobbies. Um, and I think people get like bloodthirsty for it. And everyone thinks they're going to make a million dollars ghost hunting. And it's just, I just, it's icky. <laughs> I'll ask you this question. Um, do you find that there's like a boys club attitude to this stuff? You know, I learned real quick which investigations to go on and which to decline. <laughs> there were a few I went, I looked around and I'm like, why am I here? I'm like, why did I, there's a chapter in my book about this exact um, sensation and realization. <laughs> And I did let it happen one more time. And I was like, that's it. And I literally like went up, grabbed my stuff and like left at like 11. Cause I was like, I don't like, I could be home asleep or, you know, reading my kid a bedtime story. Oh, I am. Why am I here? I've been incredibly fortunate in the past, I would say year and a half to really nail down. I I'm a solo investigator, but I have um, created you know, a community around myself of people I really trust, I genuinely enjoy, whether we be at dinner or, you know, looking for ghosts. Is there a ghost in your house? <laughs> what are you looking for? Oh, no, I just airplane <laughs> flying over. That's what I, it is. You look scared for my, <laughs> my spidey senses. No, but I am. Um, so I have, I've been lucky. I've, I've avoided a lot of um, nonsense because I just, I'm very picky with who I will go on an investigation with that's the way to do it. Yeah. And it's always best to create your own community, you know, instead of trying to like fit into another one. Yes. 100%. Although it's so nice when you get together and everyone has their own relationships and, you know, say what you will about social media, but it saved my life. <laughs> and that sounds cliche, but it's true. And, you know, posting about this stuff and just finding you know, people this way through ghost hunting. And now kind of I've transitioned. I still go on paranormal investigations. That's still a big focus for me, but like, I've just started like a publishing company with someone that I met through ghost hunting. You know, she lives in Texas, you know, some of my, some of my best friends live in upstate New York and Connecticut. And so that I'm very grateful for that. And long story short, I've avoided a lot of the ghost bros. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Before we stop the interview, I definitely want to talk a little bit about you got like an anthology coming out here pretty soon, and yeah, I want to talk a little bit about your uh, the publishing aspect of what you're doing. Which I mean, that's that's awesome because I really think that like that's branching out from what you've been doing, finding like a whole other path through what you you've already been doing with paranormal investigation. I think that's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's kind of what we're trying to do too. I love that. Um, I like when people take their own. They're, they kind of feel they feel what's right and they kind of go their own way and they're like, let's see what happens if we do this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So before you started 
paranormal investigating. Had you had any like paranormal experiences in like your earlier in your life? Yeah, <laughs> there's there's one story, and I always say this is in the book, and I call it my red lobster ghost. <laughs> like, and I like it makes me giggle because I'm like of all the places to experience like a ghost, like a bathroom in the red lobster right. in like upstate or like northern central new jersey and i'm like right. and I, <laughs> I remember it so clearly and I, I was writing the chapter for the book and i was just i would like literally write and giggle because i'm like i can't believe this ha- this sounds made up like whoever if you don't know me and you don't know like how just like straightforward i am would be like she is full of it but i was i was out to dinner with my parents and i had to use the restroom and I was in the stall, like right up against the brick wall. There were two other stalls. Look, can you tell how many times I thought about this story in detail? And the room, it was a weird bathroom. Um, it had like map wallpaper all like on, on the ceiling and had like a slope ceiling. So like the, it was kind of a creepy bathroom to begin with. <laughs> I, you know, do my thing in the stall and boom, boom, boom. Like the door is rattling on the hinges. And I didn't, I hadn't heard anyone come in and the bathroom door was on a, like one of those stoppers where to like slow so it doesn't slam shut. And I'm like, you know, wait a minute, someone's in here, you know, kind of, you know, polite. It was New Jersey, but it was whatever. I was like a teenager. <laughs> and, and I like a few seconds later and I'm like, you know, standing up, like zipping my jeans or whatever. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, just a minute like a little less polite now like chill out lady like in my brain i'm like man she loves this stall like my brain was not on like this is something spooky at all it was like this woman is annoying and like maybe she's gonna beat me up or something like whatever so i like as i'm talking i look under the other two and i'm like no one's in the other two you know thinking she'd be like oh sorry there's nothing and the bathroom stall is real close like it's i can't like I didn't even think to look down if there were feet. Of course there were feet, you know, like that's my brain wasn't there. I was like 16. So right as I'm sliding the thing or turning the thing, it happens again. And I'm like, what? And there's no one there. And I am looking at myself in the mirror, like above the sink across. And I'm like, I kind of, you know, doing one of these, check the other two stalls again. And I'm like, and I realize then as I'm, I have goosebumps that I'm freezing cold. And I'm like, this is weird. Mm. And I, then I was like, I don't know. I was going to curse, but I, I'll stop. <laughs> stop but in my brain, I'm like, holy, I'm like, and I'm like, I'm out of here. And I like, didn't wash my hands. And I ran back to the table with my mom. She's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, and I told her what happened. She's like, I'm going in. <laughs> she went in and she came right back. She's like, it's freezing in there. I'm not, I'm not going to the bathroom. Forget it. <laughs> that's a crazy story it's so stupid and like um, weird, but it happened and i can't i thought i'm like maybe in the in the kitchen like some dishes fell and slammed into the wall but like i saw the door was like rattling yeah. so trying to rationalize it <laughs> what it was i wonder if you could like go on reddit and be like hey you know the off the jersey turnpike has anybody ever been to this red lobster and that you ever had this happen to you in the bathroom because you know, it I might did, happen to somebody else i did call them 
And they they were like, no, no. It, like, I felt so stupid, but I was like, I'm writing a book and like I had this crazy thing because I'm like doing my due diligence. Like, yeah. I don't know, but was it an older building? No, it was a it was a freestanding like Red Lobster in it like was a built to be park. a Red Lobster. Okay, yes, <laughs> it's the ghost of a lobster. Like, you said it had a, a sloped ceiling. Was were there any? Uh, was it trapezoidal at all? Would you say trapezoidal? Um, I I I don't know. <laughs> what <laughs> are you getting out here, man? Was it? <laughs> yeah. Well, there. Yeah, there's a lot to that two odd shaped architecture and rooms being some kind of conduit for weird negative energy and stuff like that. Are you going to say portal? Are you about to say the word portal? No. <laughs> yeah. That, that reminded me of a story, um, something that happened to my roommate. Um, he was in a bar that's not too far away from where I live. This was several years ago, but he was in this bar and he went to the bathroom and he's in there. And he hears a whistle come from the bathroom stall and he says something like, Oh yeah. Cause he's drunk. And he's like, Oh yeah, buddy. Or something like that. You know? And like <laughs> he looks and like, nobody's coming out of the bathroom stall. He looks in the stall, nobody in there, but him looks in there. There's nobody there. And I had had like an experience, like every time I would walk in that particular bar, I always felt really uneasy. Wow. And he told me about that, and I was like, yeah, see, I think there's something going on in that place. And then someone else told me that before it was that bar, it was some other bar, and there was some somebody got mad, went back, and shot the place up, and one person died. And I was like, I knew it. I knew something like horrible happened in that place. That into it, that gut feeling, that's what I was talking about before. It's like something in you, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes like something just, that gut feeling that is like not to be ignored. It's not silly. Yeah. I mean, in all things, not just paranormal, you know, people, situations, stuff like that. That's legit. Literally every time I walk in there, I'm like, I do not feel good here. Hmm. Probably a lot of bars. People get killed in bars. Yeah. Yeah. But this one in particular, like I, there's, I would just every time, you know, um, and to, for him to have like that experience in there, like kind of like confirmed, like, oh yeah, there's, there's something weird going on here. Yeah. Um, you said that too, there was a one that I think you said that you had an experience in the dorm room that was kind of weird too. Yeah, that was another weird one that I was not expecting. But again, like we were saying, it's like some of the weird stuff that happens is just you're, is when you're not expecting it. And it's kind of, I've, I say this a lot and I say it in the book and I, I believe it is, I feel like throughout my life, like the paranormal was checking on me, like be it like the spiritual side or someone, I don't know, someone or something was just going like, hey, are you ready yet? You know, like, can we, are you going to pay attention to this part yet? And I wasn't ready and I wasn't ready and I wasn't ready. Um, but so when I was in college, my junior and senior year, I went to Penn State University and I lived in like this disgusting <laughs> apartment and it used to be, it used to be a big house and there were floors and each floor was divided into four apartments and I lived there with five of my girlfriends. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there were two of us in each of three bedrooms and my brother and my sister-in-law who was pregnant, which I feel like is notable, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's just something mm-hmm. interesting there. Anyway. Other side. Yeah, I don't know. It'll look back. We'll come more into that. But um, <clears throat> so I, I, they had gone there too. It was their alma mater, so they had come up to drink. When well, my brother drank, she drank O'Doul's or whatever, <laughs> and we called it, you know, pretty early. And I gave them my bedroom, and I stayed in my friend's bedroom across the hall. And in the middle of the night, the her I woke up because I was cold, and I, I'm often that's often like a trigger, like a, a tell for me when something's going on. Even if like there's not like a cold spot, I will get cold. My nose gets very, very cold. This has happened a few times when I've come home from an investigation. I'll fall asleep and I'll wake up hours later and my nose is freezing. Almost like something kind of like a little bit of something came home with me. And I know that sounds a little strange, but I've, I've been doing it long enough and it's happened enough times where I've noticed if my my toes, my fingers, and my nose are cold, something's weird. But at the time, I was like, man, I'm cold. Like, what the heck? You know, what's going on in my friend's room or whatever? Um, so I'm sitting up and I'm like, oh, trying, and I'm like, she has to have a hoodie that fits me. And I'm kind of like about to like kind of pillage her closet and find something across the room. Her computer turns on and I am like, what the hell? You know, like that's weird. It's like the middle of the night. There's no reason for her. You know, I just wanted the back then it was a big desktop. It had, you know, the tower and like a power button it wasn't like a, a laptop or um, a laptop so like i'm freezing and her computer's turning on and i'm kind of like please don't say my name on it or something you know i'm kind of looking up the monitor and i'm like okay she's going through its normal and it gets to like her normal home screen i'm like okay but the room just felt really weird it felt like someone was standing right there and staring at me and like seeing what i was going to do and mm. I wanted my brother to stop that my brother's eight years older than me. <laughs> he's always been like a father figure and he's right across the hall and I was like, oh, my brother, oh, my brother. <laughs> and I kind of like slowly lived, like went to the door and as soon as I turned the knocks, I was going to wake his ass up and like give me, like come fight the bad guys for me. I was a college student, by the way, like I said. And it's like I, it's like I broke a spell. Like it, it didn't feel weird anymore. I like turned the computer off. It was like, you know, the cold, I don't want to say the cold, like dramatically faded out or anything, but like, it didn't feel like my nose wasn't freezing. Cause that's why I woke up in the first place. So I ended up not waking them up and I went back to bed cause it felt normal. I let, I left the door open the rest of the night and I fell back to bed. And in the morning I was like, did you guys, was that anything weird last night? They're like, no. I was like, okay. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you know? So that was like another time and I feel like I was, I don't know, not tested, but just kind of like, hey, got my eye on you. Yeah. That cold feeling in the paranormal investigations, have you ever gotten that? Like that has that happened to you yeah. since those things? Yeah. Often. Yeah. That's I will usually if like my tells are cold and I will sometimes feel nauseated. Um, if something's going on again, I'm not claiming any kind of like extrasensory anything, but I do, I just think when you do this long enough, you pay more attention to how your body reacts in certain situations. And those are things that I've noticed usually go hand in hand with that gut feeling. Um, 
Or sometimes they survive me and I don't have the gut feeling, but I want to, I feel sick. (laughs) But do you feel like certain people are magnets for this stuff too? Yeah. Yeah. I think like those experiences, there was another one with a doll that I talk about in the book when I was much younger. And I think, I think these little, these weird stories that I have were kind of like something was attracted to me in that way, you know, being like, Hey, can you see us? You know, kind of maybe like I've had, I have a medium friend and we've run, I've I've investigated with her a couple of times and often we will get something on, you know, like, like something with a voice bank or an SD session and it will refer to her as looking different to them, that her light is brighter or she shines brighter. It's happened a couple times at a couple different places from different people under the SDs. It's not the same person every time. So that's always really interesting whenever anything about a light comes up when, a, when like a, you know, quote unquote mediums around. You feel like women have these experiences more than men do. I don't have any like statistical analysis of this or anything, but I feel like women have these experiences way more than men. I mean, it might come down unless you have a podcast. <laughs> Do you know, is a man gonna just openly talk as much as he get is his are yeah. unusual experiences going to be as accepted from a man, especially one who's not quote, you know, in a community like this one, you know, where it's kind of accepted and you have, you know, that being said, I do think there is something to women's intuition, especially a mother. Um, I just feel like that's, that's a heightened thing. I know when I had my son, I have, he changed my sleep pattern forever because I hear everything now. And I always, I slept with a fan, no earbuds. Now I have to sleep with like a fan, earplugs in like a quiet room. So I don't know if it just feels like that. But I think it's the same thing where I know a lot of men suffer, you know, from mental health issues because they're not taken as seriously or it's not like that emotional conversation isn't as, you know, manly or whatever, you know, and all that bull crap, you know, that gets tossed in with that. So, Maybe you have to get them around a, a campfire after they put back a few and then finally start, you know, that's yeah. probably the ones that are more into Bigfoot, I guess, I guess. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about um, some of these individual investigations that, you, that you've been on. Yeah. And I had a list here, but we kind of shortened it just a little bit. Like your experiences that you had in Gettysburg, especially at Devil's Den. Oh, man. Which is just, Gettysburg is such a fascinating place. Devil's Den is very unique. Oh, man. I have, I've never been there before. Um, I've been to Gettysburg before, but I've not specifically been to Devil's Den. And like that place is wild. I mean, so we we went. I was I went there with my then teammate. We went on like a we went on Veterans Day. <laughs> it was a Wednesday, and it was pouring rain, and like we, it was such a whirlwind trip. We drove down, and like checked into our haunted hotel like ran to Gettysburg, you know, ran to the battlefield because they don't let you on. Like they only, they stopped letting people in and we're like, we have to get in there. 
So like we walked up these steps. And again, this is not my story to tell. I did not see it, but my I turned around and my friend and then partner who never like sees things, hears things. She was like white as a ghost. And she saw, like she had a visual and she was like, it was clear as day. She's like, and I felt he looked at me and I looked at him. And then like right after that, I was like, all right, well, you know, we photographed the area, like he was gone or who knows, just that time slip just continued on. And then we went up to the top of the Vista and as the rain kind of was building and it was cold, I started to get nauseated and I just like, I had every instinct I had was like, get out of here, get out of here. Like, this is not, you're not safe. Something is unsafe about where you are right now. And, you know, we heard, we heard a car went by. So this, I I don't, I'm not willing to call this paranormal, but a car passed us on the path, like leaving the park. But then it was about 15 or 20 minutes later. It was a good amount of time. And we heard like male voices, like yelling. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, but we couldn't call it paranormal because a car had just passed us. So it wasn't unequivocal, you know, but given what she saw that night and then she had another visual and we were trying to get back to the car in the same location, I was like, I felt weird. I felt like ill. I did not feel like myself. I drove two and a half hours to get down there and I wanted to leave which is unlike me. I don't know. Gettysburg, is, that's, I don't know. That's a good one. <laughs> I've had some duds. <laughs> Gettysburg is not a dud. Yeah. It's, uh, again, one of those places that's like uniquely powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never been to the Devil's Den area until a few years ago when I was there. And I mean, it was pretty brutal that in that area. And you've got these big rocks that are just, you know, and a good friend of ours, Timothy Renner, who lives there in York, Pennsylvania, he does a lot of work on like, you know, what, why was it named the devil stuff? And like, there's, there's something about that land. There's something about that area Uh that other than the battle, there's something that like, he has this theory that the land draws things in and like actually drew you know, it's interesting that that drew the the forces of the civil the Civil War armies to that area. Yeah, that's there's cool. something about that place. There is something about that. I fully agree. I think that whole the whole town. I mean, it's just it, it's one of those places you drive through and you're like something's. I don't know. Everywhere you go in in that town, and I know I can't. I'm, I'm ta- this is my highlight reel, so I know I keep saying that about various places, but yeah, Gettysburg is very special. And I know Devil's Den, I mean, it was called that before the battle. That that's not from that's not from the battle itself. But right. I know you know that, but it's like I, when I was researching for the book, I'm like, dang, like Yeah, no, I, I actually did think that at one time. I thought that the, they called it um that because of the battle. Oh yeah, but... I did too, for sure. And I was like, Oh, all right, this is coming together a little more clearly now. Yeah. And you talk about this place that's a little closer to you, um, the Selma mansion. Oh, that yeah. you've had some good uh, experiences there and good investigations there as well. Yeah, big time. So I've, I've had really good ones and I've had um, very quiet ones there. That's one of those those places. It's like 20 minutes from me and around here, That it, there's a really big paranormal community around here. I think it's because of Penhurst. I think it's just, it's and Fort Mifflin, I think it's just still 
a little more welcome and there's more people who are interested in that stuff around here. And everyone has been to Selma. Because it's a smaller location, not many people know it. I've been there several times and they have like craft fairs and stuff all that. Anytime I can get there, I go there. Um, so that is where we caught that amazing EVP in the kitchen that I didn't realize that we had had uh, till later. But I would say my most impactful time at Selma, and I don't love talking about this story so much, but um, so when I first started going there, the caretaker, um, we kind of, he was like kind of a crusty old guy and he, we became like acquaintances on social media and he would just be like, Hey, someone's having a fundraiser, you know, blah, 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 this and that. When do you want to book next? And I was booking um, a visit for not this past June, but last year. Um, and I had booked it with him, gotten all the details with him squared away. And by the time the date rolled around, he had passed away. And I remember driving to Selma and even like showing up and I was like, this is so weird. Like, it's weird that like I got the details and logistics squared away with him and now he's not here. And like, the, it was like his life. It was like very important to him. And, you know, when you go in, there's like pictures of him everywhere with like other members of like the local paranormal community and um, so I kind of said like a private hello to him, you know, in my head and, you know, gave him a thought and went about my night and nothing, nothing was really happening, but it was, it was a hard night because it was summer and Selma mansion is right in the middle of an apartment complex. And so it was a lot of like kids playing outside and like, you could not do an EVP session. So it was kind of like, Ugh. so, um, and Becky drove down, uh, uh, my bloody Galentine drove down that night. So it ended up just being kind of like a a hangout <laughs> that night. But we're like, okay, before we go, um, let's do like one more session upstairs. And I laid out my tripwire. Oh no, it was her. Tri- I didn't have one yet. It was, it was her tripwire. We had it out kind of going out the hallway um, into the middle the staircase. And we had the SB7 running too, which kind of cycles through radio stations. You know, you got little clips and you're hoping for a voice that carries over more than one station. I'm sorry I'm rambling, but. <clears throat> so I kind of start going through the list of the, the history of names that I know of people who have lived in this old mansion. And, you know, I'm like, Mrs. Fornance, nothing. You know, Mr. Knox, nothing. Mrs. Not. And I'm going down this list and I just, as a whim, because again, I, at this point, I wasn't looking for like evidence to share. I was recording, but that was going to be just personal for me. And I'm like, do you know, blank, you know, the name of, you know, my friend that had passed away and the lights like went nuts. <clears throat> and we were all like, Oh, okay. I'm like, all right, calm down. You know, like sometimes they go off. They hadn't all night. The timing was weird. So I'm like, let a few minutes pass. I'm like, so just to confirm, like, you know, blank. And they went again. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then Becky asked the recorder and she's like, do you know blank? And clear as day, we heard a, vo- a male voice go, not his voice. We heard a male voice go, I know blank. And we were like, what? Like nothing had happened. We were going to leave before we even had the session. It was crazy. And like, 
that meant so much to me personally. Like, I don't think it was him, but I think that they knew who we were talking about. And that's pretty cool. That is interesting for sure. Yeah. Like, and I just, you know, you think some nights are like that. Nothing is happening. And you're like, yeah, you better wrap it. We'll do one more thing. And it was like, it's, they're like, oh no, she's leaving. (laughs) Better better do something. Or maybe, you know. Do you find that happen sometimes whenever like you're, oh, let's just do one more thing. And then something does happen like that. Does that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes maybe a handful of times, you know, you think something's dead or like that night we got the EPP. We didn't really get that much else. And, you know, unbeknownst to us, if we had been able to check in and, you know, done a, um, a short burst EVP session, we would maybe we would have been able to, you know, continue that conversation, but. I think that definitely happens times, but then the reverse will happen where you get a whole lot right when you start and you get all excited and then there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. Yeah. You have a chapter in the book about some of the lessons that you've learned by uh-huh. going through and doing this for the last four years. Um, what are some of those lessons and things that, that, that you have found have been like very important for you? So <laughs> I don't have a copy of my book <laughs> in front of me. But I mean, the biggest, I think the biggest lessons are, there's definitely ones about ghosts themselves. I do think that they're real and that's not something that I would have said, you know, even though I was, I was interested in them and I had weird things happen. That wasn't something that I would confidently say before, you know, I started this adventure. I think that you affect your invest, like we talked about, I think you affect your investigation you know, how you take care of yourself and how you go into something, you affect that just like you affect any anything else in your environment. But I think the biggest ones, um, and this is something that I, I feel very strongly about because it did save me from such a dark period in my life, are kind of a collection of things where you have to find your free flag and stop holding it in and wave that sucker so you can find your real community and because there is nothing like being accepted for who you are and finding people who really know you as weird as you are and like the weirder the better because i guarantee there's a weirdo who wants to be your friend because of how weird you are and that is so important and like like i said i was low of the, low of the low and I'm a very positive person, but I just think that's so important to find your community and just to not be ashamed of the weird parts of yourself, not just ghosts and stuff, whatever, whatever's weird about you. Like I always say, like, if you're a competitive beekeeper, like there's some beekeeping community that's out there for you, you know? and it makes all the difference. And you just never know what opportunities going to come up. It's changed my life. Yeah, I feel that. I think Sophia and I both can relate to that. So, first of all, we should talk about this because you will be at Strange Realities Conference right. coming up November 3rd through the 4th, I believe. Probably going to have you speak on Saturday, although I'm still kind of going through the schedule and what I want to do. But uh, so tentatively, we will say you will be there on Saturday. I'll be around. That's uh, <laughs> November 4th. But um, what are you going to uh, speak about at the conference? So, I'm, I would love to speak about those lessons that I've learned um, 
in going through what I've been through and what it's meant to me. I like to talk about, you know, my paranormal experiences, but I think on a deeper level, it's as a whole, how much it's meant to me and what it's given me, um, which is first and foremost community and purpose, you know, and I just, I can't, I can ramble on and on and on about how important your free flag is. <laughs> so that's what I'll be speaking on because I just, I know how important it is from, you know, can confirm very important. That's excellent. Uh, I look forward to seeing that. And you have an anthology coming out pretty soon. I do. And I want to talk a little bit about this in uh, your, your publishing company as well. Yeah. Um, thank you. So I, I wrote Making Friends with Ghosts, and I absolutely loved it. And then I wrote a children's book. Well, I refurbished a children's book that I'd written earlier. Um, I just really like expressing myself uh, in writing. And I was really sad when my book was finished because I had enjoyed the process so much, and I found it so... I just, I loved it. So um, my very good friend, Carly Latham, who is also an author, she just had uh, her, look, she just got her first publishing contract and we were both going to submit some fiction writing. And I haven't done that in years. And we turned to each other and we're like, and I I had, I have um, experience in self-publishing and she's like, why aren't we publishing our own anthology for all of our amazing author friends that we have? And we turned to each other. I'm like, well, we're doing this now. And we just hit the ground running. And we both are hard workers and we have different strengths. And she's a, she is a panel investigator as well. Um, and we both just love horror fiction. And we put out an open submission call over the summer and we got some amazing writing, including like New York Times bestseller, bestselling authors threw in. Oh, nice. I'm so grateful to Karina Holly and Noelle Illy. Like their books are amazing and they're in Barnes and Noble and they do their own book signings and they're in our, they're in our anthology. Um, I'm also a graphic designer and a book cover designer. So we're releasing that on Thursday. The book itself is coming out in mid to late September, but I literally just finished the formatting today and it looks awesome. Um, so super excited about that. And we are going to start taking um, other manuscripts from people who want to get published with us. And so we're diving in. We're like throwing our hats in the ring. It's like a new adventure. And it's scary. And that's how I know it's the right one. <laughs> cool. That's really awesome, Mallory. That's great. Thanks. Where can people find uh, the book? Making Friends with Ghosts is on Amazon, um, ebook or paperback. And you can follow all of my stuff. I'm most active on Instagram at Coffee Books and Ghosts. The publishing company does not have an Instagram handle yet. Probably will in the future. But for now, Coffee Books and Ghosts is me across the board. That's excellent. And we are, as we said before, very happy to have you at Strange Realities 2023. Me too. I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. And guys, if you have not gotten your ticket for Strange Realities 2023, what are you waiting for? Because it's going to be a great experience, and we hope to see you there. That's what we would prefer. We would love you to be there. But also, if you can't, then there is the online um, option as well. And tickets are available, strangerealitiesconference.com. But uh, this has been excellent, Mallory. I want to uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, Stay on the line for us. So we're just going to close this out. 
So, Serviel, tell everybody where they can find us on Patreon, which I believe this should be out by the time right before Fred Anderson is giving his presentation. But we should say uh, Fred Anderson is giving a presentation on humanoid encounters in Sweden. That's um, right. So we don't want to. You guys don't want to miss that, and that's available on Eventbrite. But you can become a ten dollar Patreon, and you get into the Mystic Crew. So if you would like to join us for that, that is going to be August 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And Serviel can tell you where to find that. You can find that at patreon.com slash conspiranorm. All right, guys. We will be back next week on Conspiranorm. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.